0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Mark chapter one, and we're gonna be looking at verses 21 through 39, the powerful ministry of the Messiah. What would it be To spend a day, what would it be like to spend a day with Jesus? (laughs) I was in a class many years ago, and they asked the question, they said, if you could live in any time in history, what would be the time frame or the time period that you would like to live? And, you know, people had some different answers, but mine was Jesus and others as well, because I would just like to spend one day. (laughs) Now, the good news is we're not going to just spend one day with him. We have an eternity to get to know him. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Oh, that's awesome. But these guys, when they signed on the dotted line, they had no idea (laughs) what they were in for. And right out of the gate, we're going to watch Jesus go into synagogues and begin to minister around the Sea of Galilee. And I think that if you were able to snap some pictures of Peter and Andrew and James and John, their eyes would have been as wide as saucers. They would have been, whoa. Maybe there were some side conversations like, I'm not sure this is what I signed up for. How about you? You ever had that experience in your Christian life? You know, you, you have an idea of what it might be like to serve the Lord, and then you get into the trenches a little bit and you're like, wow, <laughs> help me, Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we need your help so desperately, but thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. If we are believers, we are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we can be filled to overflowing every single day as we serve you, Lord. As we watch Jesus in action, we want to get to know Jesus better. We might have an idea of what he's like or who he is, but Lord, we want to know him better, and the pages of the scriptures tell us who he is, and what he really cared about and what his heart was like and his beautiful touch of outcasts and his powerful words. Nobody ever spoke like he spoke. And Lord, it's so good to know that when we open the pages of the Bible, you speak. This is your God-breathed word. So I pray that our ears would be tuned into your voice and that we'll never be the same because we hear what you have to say. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Mark 1, verse 21, Mark 1, 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now, the phrase they would incorporate at least the four fishermen that have been recruited by Jesus, they've responded to the call, the call has been, follow me. In the uh, opening section of Mark's gospel if you look at Mark 1:15 we're told that Jesus came out of the gate really saying the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel. And then as he was going along he called the two sets of brothers that were fishermen and he called them to himself and he said follow me and I will make you become sounds like a process and we looked at that process last Sunday. I will make you become fishers of men. I don't know where you are in that process. I don't know how seriously you've taken that call. I don't know if you see yourself as somebody who's involved in the fishing expedition of being fishers of men and women. But that's what you ought to be. Many years ago, uh, I was teaching a class on evangelism. There was a wonderful saint in that class. Um, She was a nurse, and she had been serving the Lord for many, many years, but she admitted in the class that she had never led anybody to Christ, and she had been a Christian for decades, taught Sunday school. And so um, in the class, the the, uh, curriculum said, if you ever find yourself in a place for more than a minute where you're alone with someone, that is God's sign that you should witness to them. (laughs) so she was in, uh, she did x-rays and that kind of thing, and she was in a back room, And uh, she was kind of watching her watch, and it was getting louder and louder. Click, click, click. And she was with a new employee, and they were doing some training together, another female. And so it hit the minute mark, and she took a big gulp and said, Okay, (laughs) have you ever been to church before? Do you have a church? She tried to use some opening line. And as she began to reach out to this woman, the woman broke down in tears. And she said, You know, I've been going through a lot of stuff, and I've been thinking about God, and that lady had a primetime opportunity to witness to this woman. Oftentimes, we don't realize that there are opportunities around us everywhere if we're just willing to take a step of faith. Often, we're fearful. What's somebody going to say? Hey, if you just ask somebody in California, hey, do you attend a local church? That's a pretty uh, non-threatening question, isn't it? It's a way to get a conversation going, and you never know what might happen if you just reach out. You're missing a big part of the Christian life if you don't reach out with the gospel because Jesus has defined the church's mission, and that is to go into all the world, all the nations, and preach the gospel. In fact, Mark 16, 15, and this is the end of the gospel of Mark, he says, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation, And in Matthew's gospel, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, I've been telling you that in Mark's gospel, what we have is we kind of have a wilderness tradition that emerges in the first 13 verses. And in the wilderness tradition, we've watched the Messiah retrace the footsteps of fallen Israel and do what they failed to do. We could see that at his baptism in the Jordan. We could see that on the Mount of Transfiguration with the glory cloud where God affirms him I'm well pleased in him. Listen to his voice. We can see that in the 40-day temptation or testing in the wilderness, where where Israel failed, Jesus what? Conquers. And he uses the word, single Greek word is gegraptai. It is written, it stands written, and the devil could do nothing against him. Where Israel failed, the Lord succeeded. Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. That's in the prophecy of the the servant in Isaiah 49. But they largely failed to become that light. They failed because they did not heed the warnings of Almighty God. And over and over again in Deuteronomy 18 and other places through Moses, God said, do not learn to practice what the peoples of these nations do. Do not embrace their practices for they will pull you down. On Friday we did a study from Proverbs 7 and there's a warning there about the adulteress and the one writing it is Solomon and Solomon is warning his son not to be snared by a foreign woman who flatters with the mouth yet he was snared by that. In 1 Kings 11 the story of Solomon is told and it says that he loved many foreign women and those foreign women turned his heart away from God. To the degree that the wisest man that ever lived, except for Jesus himself, began to put idols on high places. In fact, there's a scripture in 1 Kings 11, if you want to go back and look at it later, where it says that he put a detestable idol up on the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine that? Solomon. He knew better When God offered him a blank check, whatever you want, Solomon, I'll give you. He said, I want wisdom. And the Lord said, because you didn't ask for wealth and other things, I'll give you wisdom plus. And Solomon had everything, but he failed. Instead of him being a light to others, and remember, many people were coming to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Those people sucked him down. Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations and they mingled with those nations and those nations ensnared them in their net. And rather than them being a testimony of God and his truth, um, the nations ensnared them. Turn to Psalm 106. If you hold your place in Mark, Psalm 106. This is a recounting of the history of Israel and this happens in several of the Psalms. Psalms Psalm 106 Let's look at verse 35, where we get this testimony of what happened to Israel. And just so we can understand the warning, it can happen to us. In fact, it has happened to us. I don't know if you realize how much you are influenced by the world's practices. It's happened to us. It's happened to me. Because I live in this world, and it's hard not to be captivated by the things of this world. And in Psalm 106, look at verse uh, 35. It says, they mingled, Psalm 106, 35, with the nations. They learned and learned their practices, 106, 36, and served their idols, which became, what? A snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to who? (laughs) To the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. And this is a key phrase for our text. Thus they became unclean in their practices. We're going to see Jesus deal with an unclean spirit in Mark 1 and a leper who was unclean. And it says they became unclean in their practices and they played the harlot in their deeds. Go back to Mark chapter one. So here comes Jesus. And Jesus is the master of undoing consequences of bad choices. Praise God. I mean, I made a ton of bad choices before I came to Christ. But he has undone those. And he's, not every consequence goes away, but he's given me beauty for ashes. And that's the hope that we have. That's why the Messiah has come. First John 3.8 says he came to destroy... The works of the devil. It says, uh, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Write this down, 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has come to make people whole again. To make people whole again. But there are many, many people who heard Jesus' preaching in the first century and did not turn from their sin. Many people experienced that day in the life of Jesus that we all might long for to go back in time. But more than that, some people heard him for months. Some people followed him around for quite a long time. And then when he gave a difficult teaching in John 6, they walked away. They didn't want to follow anymore. And Jesus said, follow me. That's the key, follow me. They were, uh, they being Peter, James, uh, John, and Andrew, they were fishermen in training, not in the area of expertise. They were going to become fishers of men and women. And they were going to see Jesus' power and authority on display. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, In Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for he is the head over all rule and all authority. Is he your authority? Hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching. In a moment, I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org, click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Well, here's Jesus in action, and he's going to come to this area called P- Capernaum. Uh, look back in your Bible. And they, Mark one twenty one, went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Not only do they get to spend a day with Jesus, but it's a Sabbath day. They get to see how Jesus worshipped or What it was like to go to church with Jesus. That'd be pretty cool, huh? What was it like? Was he just simply spectating? Or was he engaged? Well, before Jesus uh, comes to Capernaum, he actually preached in the synagogue at his own hometown. This is recorded in Luke 4. Go there, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 4. Jesus um, has faced the enemy, and he comes to the synagogue in his own town of Nazareth. So it says, look at Luke 4.14. Jesus returned, Luke 4.14, to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came, Luke 4.16, to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, "'Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing.' And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, "'Is this not Joseph's son?' And he said to them, "'No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, "'Physician, heal yourself. "'Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, "'do here in your hometown as well.' And he said, "'Truly I say to you, "'no no prophet is welcome in his hometown.'" But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And all in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they rose up and cast him out of the city. Now, keep in mind, this is his hometown. This is where he grew up. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. You see, not only (laughs) did they reject Jesus and kick him out of his hometown, they intended to kill him. Can you imagine I know pastors have had tough days. (laughs) I know sometimes we get angry emails. But it's quite another thing to be ushered out to the edge of your hometown to the brow of a hill so that they might cast you down after you preached a couple of hard things. Did you notice that everybody was speaking well of him until he got a little straight with them? (laughs) Got in their face a little bit, and then they didn't like it and they wanted to kill him. We have a culture today who does not want to hear a differing point of view. They only want you to accept their view. The moment you give an alternative view that's not popular in the winds of culture, look out. Look out. There will be people, you will become their target even though you are simply just quoting what the Bible says. Interestingly enough, in Leviticus 16 on the Day of Atonement, they had two goats. They, had, they called one the scapegoat and then one was a goat sacrifice for the nation. And the high priest on the Day of Atonement would lay his hands on the head of a goat and he would confess the sins of the nation and then they would lead that goat interestingly enough, off into the wilderness. And the picture was that the goat was carrying away the sins of the people. But they found something kind of like a dog and cat that you might not necessarily want to come home. (laughs) They found that the goat turned around and started coming back to the temple area. So this was a problem because, at least symbolically, he was supposed to be carrying all the sins of the people. Not good when the sins start coming back. (laughs) He's supposed to be the scapegoat. So what they did to ensure that he would not come back home to the temple was they would take the scapegoat to the brow of a hill and they would throw him off. I know it sounds brutal, but the goat would die at the bottom of the hill so as not to return with the sins of the people. And in Jesus' own hometown, they took him to the brow of a hill and they were intending to throw him off the hill. You see, Jesus is our scapegoat. And he's fulfilling this imagery in our Bibles right in front of our eyes. It's amazing. His own hometown didn't want to hear it. And we all, I started this sermon by saying, wouldn't it be cool just one day, right? Wouldn't it be cool to hear a sermon Jesus preached? Well, these people said, not so cool. Didn't like it. And they took him to the brow of the hill in order to throw him down. But passing through their midst... Verse 30, he went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus, if you go back to Mark, would adopt Capernaum as his own hometown because his own people kicked him out. And Capernaum, Matthew 9, verse 1, became Jesus' own city, kind of his adoptive city, um, Jim, if you're ready, I want to show you just a couple pictures of the area of Capernaum. So um, remember that much of Jesus' ministry took place uh, around the Sea of Galilee, and Capernaum is a fishing village just on the northwest uh, upper uh, part of the Sea of Galilee. Kind of a diverse population. Keep on going, Jim. There you get an aerial view. So not not very big, but a um, very significant place. If, if you've been to Israel, you know Capernaum is usually part of the trip, and you get to go to Peter's Fish House in Capernaum if you're a fish eater. And when they put the fish on your plate, it is looking back at you. So if you have problems with that, they have option B. You can order pizza in Capernaum. Anyway, let's keep going. This is an ancient synagogue that dates very early. In fact, uh, they don't believe that the the ruins of the synagogue in Capernaum dates back to the time of Jesus, but they do believe that the lower portion dates back to the synagogue in Jesus' time. So not the entire structure It was probably built on top of, but the actual foundation stones, if you will, uh, date back to the time of Jesus. So this gives you an idea of what a synagogue would look like. And Jesus was probably standing here preaching to the people of Capernaum. It's quite thrilling when you find yourself on a place on the earth where You think that your feet might be walking somewhere close where Jesus did. Keep on going, Jim. And you can see some of those foundation uh, stones. This actually is a picture, I believe, of uh, what they call Peter's house. And Peter was originally from Bethsaida, according to John chapter 1, but it seems like he landed in Capernaum as well, along with the partners in the fishing business, James and John. So this is the location where Jesus is. And so he's now in Capernaum, having been kicked out of his own hometown. Look at verse 22. He's there on the Sabbath day. He begins to teach. Teaching was a priority for Jesus' ministry, Mark 1.22. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. One writer said, Jesus didn't just preach about God's word. Jesus preached the word. And there is a difference. Jesus didn't just talk about what different uh, leaders or rabbis believed. Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Rabbi so-and-so counters that with this. And somebody in the middle is Rabbi so-and-so who believes this. No, Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, but I say to you. And people went, whoa. Rabbis in history, in fact, were often proud to say that they had never spoken any word that was just something that they came up with. They always preached in quotation marks, but not Jesus. Jesus spoke with authority. And people who came to the synagogue week after week were used to just hearing the quotes. Maybe there was a lot of snoring going on in the synagogue. I don't know. (whistles) Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Rabbi so-and-so... And Jesus said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I say to you, and people were like, whoa, hair blown back a little bit. Wow. He preaches with authority. They were amazed. And just then, look at verse 23. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now, I don't know if there were some amens and hallelujahs going on as Jesus preached, but then there was a, kind of a shriek, an unhappy shriek, because a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue, and he couldn't handle the light. He couldn't handle the authoritative preaching. He must have sat there quietly week after week as people quoted the rabbis, but the moment that the Son of God began preaching, he couldn't handle it. Have you ever lifted up a rock in your backyard and there's bugs that look like you, don't even, you haven't even seen the species before and they all scatter? <laughs> well, that's kind of, I think, what was going on in that synagogue. The light came and the demon that was inside this man just went... <laughs> Can you imagine being in the synagogue that day? Wow, you won't believe. You shouldn't have missed today, man. <laughs> Yeah, but the football game, what's the football game? I'm just telling you, you shouldn't have stayed home. And here's this man. Luke calls the man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. You know, I begin to look at the gospel accounts, and I know a lot of you have wrestled with a lot of the scriptures, and I begin to think of the number of exorcisms and demons that Jesus sent out of people in Israel. And I stepped back this week and said, Lord, what in the world was happening? Hey folks, when you're doing radio, you know, it's a little hard to tell sometimes who's listening. And we would really like to know if the program's been a blessing to you and has impacted your life. And here's how you can get word to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org. LivingTruthRadio.org, and in the contact form, let us know that you're listening. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on, how the programs impacted your life, and even how we can pray for you. That'd be a great blessing to us. And if there's something that you want to put there that we can use to encourage other radio listeners to say, "Hey, Pastor Michael, this is how the programs impacted me," and you are welcome to use this to uh, encourage other radio listeners. So that'd be a blessing to us. Go to LivingTruthRadio.org in the contact form. Just let us know who you are. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California 92880 Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth.